The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley in for Brother Bert Harper this week. He is at a conference the first part of the week, and then he's taking some personal time. Now, Alex, he told me he had some honeydews to take care of. Are you familiar with those? Oh, yeah, man. Those those honeydew lists are an honor, really, aren't they? Yes, sir. Now, folks, before the program, we were talking a little bit about Southern gospel music. And Alex Amen. is looking for the Happy Goodman families. I'm looking for a city. But that yeah. is kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because Alex is looking for a city to come and help you with your evangelism, to help you with your apologetics. In fact, you can find out more information on that at alexmcfarland.com. Jim, you are wonderful. What a great segue. Now, now, folks, here's the thing. Devin Patrick, our most faithful engineer, he's just wonderful. Like myself, he likes good gospel music. Jim, don't, don't you like gospel music? Too? I do. I'll give somebody a hard time about it, but I do enjoy it. Now, folks, you owe it to yourself. You ought, to, you ought to listen to this group, and they're all in heaven now, but they were called the Happy Goodmans. Some of you might remember, and they had some really good songs. And one of them, this famous song called Looking for a City that had like umpteen key changes. It was really awesome. But Jim Well said, yes, I am looking for a city to go preach in. And I was this past weekend, I want to give a big shout out to the dear people of Salem, Illinois, Pastor Andy DeWitt at First Baptist in Salem, Illinois. And uh, Jim, that's kind of in the greater St. Louis area. We had folks drive two and three hours, and I met lots and lots of people that love to listen to the American Family Radio Network and just had a wonderful weekend and people come to the altar to pray, pray for America. So uh, thanks to Salem, Illinois for all the great hospitality. And Jim, I got to say this too. Um, Thursday night, I was at East Tennessee State University. The uh, Turning Point USA group had me in, and um, wonderful students. Oh, my goodness. I, I can't name all the names, but there's a group of just Christian conservative students, and they organized a big event there at East Tennessee State and got to talk about the Christian foundation of our nation and what we need to pray about for America. And Jim, it was just a privilege to speak to the college students last Thursday and then Salem, Illinois, all weekend. Well, brother, that, that sounds about right for your week. So where are you going this week? Well, do you know what? I'm uh, back in, in Pleasant Garden, North Carolina with, with Angie for a few days and just uh, looking after a few things. I, I'll tell you, we are working on a book for the fall of 2023 for AFR. And I'm uh, going to call Tim Wildman and work on some planning for that and just uh, doing Exploring the Word every day. And by the way, folks, speaking of Exploring the Word, we are in Galatians. Uh, Bert and I started a couple of weeks ago, and Jim and I are going to be in Galatians all week. But right now we're in Galatians 3. And, um, you know, Jim, you know what I love is the fact that in any generation, I mean, this was truth 2,000 years ago. It was truth in the horse and buggy era, mm. and it's true in the wired-up Wi-Fi 21st century that salvation is through faith in Jesus. Amen. And, you know, one, one of the things that's been—let um, me just say this, we're going to get to Galatians 3—but it's been noted that Christianity is, is really the only worldview that will work in any culture where it's introduced. Um, in— third world countries, developing nations, in first world countries, in the West. And, and there are a lot of, lot of religions, I hate to say religion because it's a relationship with Jesus, but Christianity works in any life and any heart where it's applied. And part of the reason that Christianity is so universally applicable to all people is, Jim, because it's the true way to be saved, by faith in Jesus. Galatians 3, let me read a verse here. 3.13 says, uh, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Uh, and it says, 
Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In other words, uh, Jesus was nailed to the cross, and our sin debt was put on him. And it's not by works, but here's the beautiful thing of Galatians 3.14. The blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through through what? Through faith. Mm. Now, let's talk for a moment, Jim, about, about the blessing of Abraham. Because the Bible says Abraham was a friend of God. And I think every heart wants to be reconciled to God. Um, friend, if you are unsaved, you're not, a, you're not God's friend yet. You're an enemy of God. But listen, just like Abraham was a friend of God, we become reconciled, made right to God, not through works, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. We simply put our faith in the Lord Jesus, what he did. He paid our sins on the cross. And we, according to Galatians 3.14, like Abraham, we are made right with God through faith in Jesus. Jim, that's worth getting excited about. And it's, it's no wonder that the great songwriters have written beautiful pieces of music because uh, when you've got Jesus, that's something we're singing about, isn't it? Absolutely, and pardon me, it it is. And you know, as we get to verse fifteen here, Alex, uh, boy, it it is very. It's not. I don't want to say it's deep, but it is one of those things. Pardon me, my phone is making noise, and it normally doesn't do that when I'm on the air. Um, and so when we get to, to verse 15 there, it says very plainly about what you just read. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant, yet it is, if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He did not say into seeds as of many, but as of one, into your seed who is Christ. And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the, co- the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. And Alex, the, the, the really reason, you know, when we think of covenants, when we think of of different things. This was a blood covenant between God and man because he sacrificed his son, the the sinless lamb of God, and that blood was shed and thus the law was fulfilled and the price had been paid so that we could hope to inherit the these promises here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, a lot of people wonder why did there have to be the shedding of blood? And, you know, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Uh, Jim, I I think that a lot of people might uh, find it hard to um, acknowledge this, but the universe God has made operates on certain laws. There are physical laws, there are spiritual laws, and God is a just and holy God, and he doesn't just sweep things under the rug, and he, he doesn't turn a blind eye. Because God is holy, sin has to be dealt with. And just like Adam and Eve in the garden, they, they disobeyed God, sin entered the human race, and something had to die. God killed a lamb. And Jim, I've, I've wondered what must have been going through Adam and Eve's mind for the first time in history, something had to die. Mm. Blood was shed. Now, all those sacrifices, and folks, this is amazing. This is why we just we love Jesus so much, and we're so grateful to him. For centuries, um, the sacrificial animals were, were killed, and the blood sprinkled on the altar. You see, it's a blood covenant, and uh, a covenant is a commitment. It's like a contract. Now, the Old Testament saints, you read Habakkuk chapter 2, says that we are, we're justified or made right through faith. Now, here's the promise God made in all those sacrificial animals. God said, look, um, you do this, and by, by doing what I tell you, it shows you're trusting my promise. Here's my promise. One day, 
I will send the Lamb of God, my son, that will die, and it'll be the final sacrifice. No more sacrifices need to be made. And of course, Jesus was that. And on Calvary's cross, Jesus was nailed there. The guilt that we had, all of the wrath of punishment that we deserve, it was poured onto Jesus, and his blood was shed. The blood of Jesus, not a temporary covering as the animals had been, but a permanent eradication of sin. So God has made the way for us to be reconciled, and it's through Jesus. And, and you might say, well, you know what? I've been a good person. I want God to acknowledge what a good person I've been. Listen, that's not how you get saved. You say, yeah, but I, my family's been in the church for 70 generations. God needs to acknowledge that. That's not how you get saved. The way we get saved, uh, if he, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says there's no other way but through Jesus. And Jim, my point in sharing that is, and we're in Galatians 3, folks, there are certain laws. I mean, if you, you know, if, if you want water to boil, you better crank it up to 212 degrees. That's just how the world works. If you want certain things, You've got to operate within the parameters of the laws. And in terms of spiritual law, spiritual reality, the way that a sinner is reconciled to a holy God is through Jesus. There's just no other way, is there? No, there's not. And, and you know, there's a lot of talk between once saved, always saved, truly yeah. saved, always saved, being able to lose one's salvation. But the way this reads... In the New Living Testament, um, I want to I want to read the first part of that verse. It says, "Dear bro- or fifteen, dear brothers, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child, and notice the Scripture doesn't say to his children, as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child." And that, of course, means Christ. And so, Alex, does that have any impact on our salvation? Because salvation's another promise from God. Yeah, well, I, I think it does. Uh, I really do. And, Jim, I, I do believe in what they call eternal security. Mm-hmm. Now, now, this is an area... Because we, we get this call frequently, and by the way, folks, in just a few moments, we will open up the phone and take Bible questions. People ask the, the, the question, could I lose my salvation? If I sinned too badly, would I lose my salvation? I do think everlasting life is exactly that, everlasting. But I want to I be very careful to say this is an area where equally good, godly, well-intentioned people disagree. Because, you know, um, let me just say this. Um, Hebrews 6 talks about those that have been aware of salvation, and they've, they've at least on some level known about Jesus but fallen away, and it says they can't be restored to repentance. It's almost like the Word of God, and Jim, feel free to disagree with this if you want. It's almost like the Word of God is clear enough to give us assurance, mm-hmm. but vague enough to keep us on our toes. You know what? <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of truth in that. I mean, you look at what Paul wrote in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to be a living sacrifice. Why? Because the payment for our sin, the death of Christ, was that sacrifice. Exploring the Word continues in just a moment on AFR. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Hubert Hamer, administrator of the National Agricultural Statistics Service. His office is responsible for data collection and reporting in the areas of agriculture, economics, and the environment. Proverbs 2010 reminds us of the importance of accurate accounting and fair measurement, differing weights and differing measures the Lord to test them both. Right now with this in mind, let's pray. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Hubert Hamer as he gathers and provides important data about our country. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. 
Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country, and we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. It's amazing what some people can accomplish without any help from God. Well, for a while anyway. But Dr. Tony Evans says that all of our talents and technology can only keep us soaring for so long. We'll learn more as we spend two minutes with Tony. True story. Some time ago, plane took off from Texas without a pilot. Somehow the pilot left it on or something and some gear got unhooked and it went down the runway and took off by itself. It's, a, it's just a marvel. And it just kept going higher and higher. The problem came because it ran out of gas. And when it ran out of gas, it went plunging down to a disastrous clash. Why am I telling you that? I just want you to know, you can go high without God. You can get your degree without God. You can get your money without God. You can get your reputation without God. You can get your significance without God. And you can climb high. There are a lot of folk who are godless people who have climbed high. And people want to know how he gets so rich and he's so wicked. Because you can climb high without God. But I just need to tell you, one day you're going to run out of gas. And if you don't have God as your pilot, when you run out of gas, it's going to be a mighty fall. So you better keep God in the steering wheel of your life. That's why I keep my flip phone. You better keep God with you so when the high-tech stuff runs out, you don't find yourself without God as your pilot. Nobody makes it to heaven by following the rules and doing good deeds. The Bible makes it clear that we can only be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Learn more about what that means and how it can change your life. Visit TonyEvans.org. Click on the link that says Jesus. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Matthew 19, 14. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. That was Vestal Goodman, Sue Dodge, and the Gaithers, uh, you know, how they would have those homecoming events. And so that that was pulled from there, but you could hear Vestal for sure. Uh, welcome back. I'm Jim Stanley along with Dr. Alex McFarland. And Alex, that one was just for you. Well, thanks very much. And Devin, thanks for, for pulling that off of the, the record rack. I don't know if you heard that lyric, Come, O Holy Spirit, all our hopes renew. And you know what? All of our hope is in the Lord. I'll tell you that. You know, uh, Jim, before the break, and by the way, folks, this is Exploring the Word. You're listening to the American Family Radio Network. We're so honored that you're listening. We're in Galatians chapter 3. You know, you were talking about a covenant. And see, uh, one of the beautiful things about our standing with God, and folks, I just take such great encouragement in this, because in Galatians it talks about the fact that um, salvation is not by works, but it's by faith. And uh, listen, under the law, because we've all, we've all broken God's law, we've, we've known the right and we've done the wrong, and uh, the law is, is our condemnation, really, because the law, the, the, the righteous law of God is a re reflection on the righteous character of God. Mm. And Jim, I've had people say, in fact, we've had folks call into the show and they'll say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm about as good as anybody else. I'm not such a bad person. I'm, I'm as good as anybody else. And yeah, probably so. But in comparison to Jesus, we're all sinners. And so, my goodness, what grace God has shown us in that if you put your faith in Jesus, you say, I, I do believe he's the son of God, as he said, and I do believe when he went to the cross, yes, Jesus did it for the whole wide world, but that includes that he did it for me. Amen. And, and listeners, if you'll... 
put your faith in Jesus, all of the, the, the requirements of God's holiness are fulfilled. You are declared as righteous as Jesus, not because you deserved it or earned it, because we, we don't deserve it, we couldn't earn it, but we put our faith in Christ and we are made right. And that is God's promise to the one who will believe. Now that's worth singing about. Amen. That's good stuff. Well, folks, we are in the third chapter of Galatians, and we are at verse 19. It says, What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which would have been by the law, pardon me, let me go back. I missed I missed a beat there. The trifocals are messing up on me today, Alex. A law You're doing great. given which could have been given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promises by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. You know, Alex, when you think about that, when you hear the way that's read, we know that the Holy Spirit is our counsel, as you as you mentioned a moment ago, um, and that's why Jesus said it's important that I send you a comforter. And the the Holy Spirit is there to help us understand the scriptures and how to please God. And because of that grace of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, because he paid for our sins through the blood covenant, we the it's not that the law doesn't apply, but it's that the law has been fulfilled through Christ because it's nothing we could ever do on our own. And if we were still trying to do that, then we would have we would just disavow the fact that Christ died and the purpose of it. I know, I know. You know, I, Jim, I love Galatians three twenty six. It says, "You are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus." I mean, how do you become a child of God by faith in Christ Jesus? Mm -hmm. You know, in First John it says, uh, "This is the commandment." that you believe on Jesus Christ, whom God hath sent. You know, over and over, in many ways, the New Testament says that we're to put our faith in Jesus. But um, for a minute, let's uh, look at verse 25. It says, But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Mm -hmm. See, it says that in verse 24, the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Now, Jim, I've got the, the old KJV here, the King James. Some, some translations will say schoolmaster. Some will say a tutor, mm -hmm. a T-U-T-O-R. Some will say a trainer. So I looked up that word, a fascinating word. Now, folks, here's the point. Um, if, you, if you really think about how holy God is and God's perfect law, uh, read Exodus 20, Thou shalt not lie. Well, if you've ever told a lie, uh, you're guilty of breaking God's law, and we've all done that. You know, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not commit murder. And in fact, we're not even supposed to hate somebody in our heart. That's Jesus said, if you hate somebody within your heart, that's that's the equivalent of murder. And we're not supposed to be idolaters. And I mean, that would include things like materialism or just obsessing about something. Well, if we're honest with ourselves, we look at the Ten Commandments, and we've, we've broken many, if not most of them, okay? So if you think about that, you think, oh my, my goodness, I'm guilty before God. Like Isaiah, woe is me, I am undone. All right, when you look at the law, it will drive you to your knees to mm -hmm. Jesus. That's how it's a coach or a trainer or a tutor. The law really is a schoolmaster to drive us to Jesus. Um, Spurgeon, I've quoted this, but I, I think it's beautiful. He, Spurgeon said, the holiness, the law of God, is a mirror, it's a hammer, and a whip 
Charles Spurgeon, he said, the holiness of God is a mirror in which we see our unholiness. It's a ha- the righteousness of God is a hammer that smashes our self-righteousness, and it's a whip that drives us to the cross. So there's a lot we could say there, but that word schoolmaster basically means that it will humble us and drive us to the mercy of God. Amen. Um, you know, uh, the New King James used tutor. The New Living Translation um, uses the word guardian. And so you're right. It's it's an interesting word, and all of those are applicable. But the fact of the matter is, when we think of the schoolmaster, you know, it kind of puts it in perspective for us because we all know the different schoolmasters that we had through the years, and they had laws called English and math and reading. And if you didn't do those according to the standards they set, well, that came up on a grade, you know, oh, yeah. from A to um, the F. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, oftentimes my report card reflected all of those. So, well, <laughs> but, hey, but you- nonetheless, and when, when you look at it like that, there's not grades here. It's either you are or you don't know Christ. And the only way you get to know him is through faith. Amen. Did you take piano lessons growing up, Jim? No, sir, I did not. Well, my sister took for a number of years, and I took for about a week. Um, But it was old school. Now, this is back in the 70s, and we had a piano teacher that if you used the wrong finger on the wrong key, you'd get whacked with a ruler, Mm. right? And believe it or not, the word there in Galatians 3.24 that the law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, and it goes on in verse 25, but if we're in faith, born again through faith, we're no longer under the schoolmaster. Now, folks, some of you that are kind of technical, you'll relate to this, but the word is pedagogy. Now, some of you, if you've ever taken piano lessons, those books of scales, to play all the scales, that's called keyboard pedagogy. And, and if you were a serious piano student, you had to rigorously learn the scales, and you had to not only get your timing right, your fingering right, your tempo, everything had to be right, or your teacher might give you a whack on the wrist with a ruler, as I had and my sister had. But here's the thing. Pedagogy means a rigid coach to perfection. Mm. That's what it means. And, and that's in the Greek. This word is around 2,000 years after the fact. So the law of God, why is it rigid? Why is it a demanding of perfection? Because God is eternal, and God is holy, and the Bible says in God is no darkness at all. And um, let, me, let me say, Jim, I think sometimes the idea that God is righteous, people don't take that as seriously as they should, um, We've Bert and I have often talked about this. Part of God's eternality, Exodus three fourteen, He is the Great I Am. How could God exist forever? Because He is fully life. He's God. There is no sin in God. There is no darkness. There is no unrighteousness or iniquity, and that's why the law of God is inflexible and perfect. Because God, the eternal, holy Creator of all. There's no sin in God, and there'll be no sin in heaven. So, listen, if you want to go to heaven, you want to be a child of God, like verse 26, put your faith in Jesus. And if you have put on Christ, you have fulfilled the law. Now, we didn't and we couldn't, but you know what? We go to heaven not on our own righteousness, but on Christ's. And everywhere we failed, he fulfilled it. Everywhere we were guilty, he was righteous. And so um, when you put your trust in Jesus, you've got it all. You're made right with God. You're secure in Christ. Your name is in the book. You are made righteous. You're a child of Abraham through faith, um, all by putting our trust in Jesus. Um, Jim, I, I, I don't think we even know how to begin to adequately show our gratitude for all that we have in our Savior. Oh, I agree. I mean, that's that's one of the things there. You know, it, even with our earthly children, sometimes we expect them to show gratitude for certain things, and, you know, they just roll on. 
and 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 that's okay. They're not going to stop being my children. But I think sometimes we have to stop and remember what God has done for us. Amen. Amen. We absolutely do. Well, we go on. And I love, um, in verse 28, it says, there, There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Now, Jim, parenthetically, I have to insert this. Now, folks, this is why American Family Studios made the, the wonderful, incredible movie, In His Image. Because there's some, in the last few years that have um, taken Galatians 3.28 and and really twisted it to mean something the Word of God doesn't mean. All right, what Galatians 3.28 means is we're unified in Jesus. We're equally righteous. Um, l- let me say, the same God that Billy Graham prayed to is the Savior that wants to be a part of your life. And so there's not. it's not that the Jews are better than the Gentiles or vice versa, uh, but we're one, and you might have heard that phrase, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. But Jim, what some have just heinously done with transgenderism and, and this what we call rigid egalitarianism, some have tried to make Galatians 3.28 legitimize the idea that there is no gender, there are no sexual boundaries, uh, that's not what that means at all. It just means we're equal in our salvation through faith in Jesus. Amen, it does. Um, you know, as as we look towards that, the fact there uh, in verse 29, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You know, a lot of times we stop there because that's the end of the chapter. And we know that chapters and verses were laid out long after the letters had been written. And so that's why it continues straight into to chapter 4. Now, I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. You know, I think that's one of the reasons Paul calls us you know, to be slaves of Christ, it's not that we lose our identity, but it's, a, it's one of those things that we are completely sold out to Christ. Amen. That is absolutely true. Uh, you know what, what's interesting? There's this analogy. Imagine, uh, you know, a wealthy family or something, and that the heir, if, even the heir, so the, the, the firstborn who's going to inherit the estate— when he's a child, he's really under the tutelage of the, the servant, whether it's uh, the, the teacher or the workers or anything like that. It says, but he's under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Uh, let me just say this, Jim. Um, there's a certain level of growth and maturity that comes with the revelation of God. Um, in the olden times, you know, when Israel was in the wilderness and then even in their land, they were still under the sacrificial system because the Savior hadn't come yet. Now, they were heirs of all things, but they were like children who were learning. But you know what? One of the great things that only the Christian worldview can say is that we have revealed truth, the revelation of God through Scripture, the revelation of God through His Son, and yes, the revelation of God by the Holy Spirit who is speaking to each listener even right now. Amen. Folks, we'll take your calls next at 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840 here on AFR. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us.
Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. In churches, and a lot of churches today, the issue of identity is sort of like the big elephant in the room. It's in the news, but it's not in the church. So if it's in society, it needs to be something the churches are addressing. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality, is now available for church screenings and events. Every person in America needs to see this. And all pastors need to show this to the church, get the people informed. If the church, Jesus isn't the answer, where is the world going? We want the message of the film to touch as many hearts and lives as possible. And we'd love to join with you to bring the film to your community. So let's say you have a small group or your church, or we've even been bringing the film into some prisons. We want to partner with you. So what we'll do is we'll send you a special kit and it's completely free, and it'll just have some extra resources to help you promote your event. To find out more about how to host an event, go to inhisimage.movie and click on the Host an Event tab. That's inhisimage.movie. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The American Enterprise Institute conducted an empirical study to understand the decline of religious faith in America. They concluded the data seemed to show the main driver of secularization in the United States is government spending on education and control over the curricular content taught in schools. Why? Because children learn more at school than reading, writing, and arithmetic. They imbibe a whole set of implied assumptions about what's important in life. Faith in God becomes a sort of optional, weekend hobby akin to playing tennis or video games. And our tax dollars pay for it. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty is the number to call, and we'll try and answer some of your Bible questions today. Now, Alex, um, you know I have to say, when Bert and I do okay, but when but we miss you when you're gone. So oh, you know because that? we we count on you for the definitive answer. Well, you know, sometimes I'm guilty of somebody will ask what time it is, and I'll begin to explain the history of the wristwatch. You know, so sometimes I fear I go too much in depth, Jim. Well, I wouldn't. I'm not. That's between you and Bert now, you know, and, <laughs> and you and your other listeners. That's not well, me. I like the in-depth because sometimes we need to get there. Oh, All right. Amen. So well, let's talk to Kayla this afternoon. Calling from Arkansas. Kayla, good afternoon and welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon. Hello. Um, I have a Bible question. In First Samuel 28, uh, when Saul is seeking counsel from the witch of Endor, um, is this actually Samuel or is this a demon? And I have heard so many different answers. I just want to know what your thoughts are. Hey, this is a great question. Jim, forgive me for jumping in. And by the way, thanks for listening. Do you know what? Um, I had a great professor in seminary named Dr. Harold Wilmington, and he's in heaven now, and we uh, talked about this. I actually think that it is the prophet Samuel um, because the witch of Endor seems to be almost shocked. You know, Now, Saul is doing a terrible thing. He's engaging in occult behavior, which was strictly forbidden. And um, we do know that when a person dies, they go to where they, you know, are to be. But Saul, oh my goodness, in uh, uh, 1 Samuel 28, 7, 
He says, seek me a woman who hath a familiar spirit. In other words, a demon-possessed person, a witch, that I may go. Now, this witch of Endor apparently is uh, maybe something of a charlatan. So when the prophet Samuel appears, um, and and this is uh, verse 14, it says, Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to, to the ground. And, and Samuel says, why have you bothered me or disquieted me to bring me up? And it seems like that the witch of Endor is maybe startled. Maybe she was putting on kind of a fake show, and suddenly this venerated prophet appears. And so the question is, so why would God allow this? Well, apparently to convict Saul for this wicked thing he's doing of engaging in the occult. In verse 18, talks about that he did not obey the voice of the Lord, and the, the fierce wrath of God is going to come on him. So, Jim, this is a very challenging passage. It really is. But um, apparently, and you know, Saul was disguised, and he tried to go under cover of night, and the, Samuel knows him. So it apparently seems like that God sent Saul a message through Samuel and let, let Samuel appear to speak to King Saul. But I'll tell you something we definitively can know about this as, as uh, you know, uh, obtuse and obscure as this passage might be. I'll tell you one thing we do know for sure. Don't mess with the occult. Mm, that's right. All right, Kayla, thanks for the call this afternoon. I hope that helped. Let's talk to, speaking of Samuel, let's talk to Samuel from Texas. Samuel, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, um, well, thank you very much. Um, I really enjoy American Family Radio, and I'm listening to and things of that nature. I just have a, a question um, in reference to Gate Galatians 3 and what was, has been said thus far. And I'm asking, I'm going to set a premise, and then I'm going to ask you to tell me um, if I'm off on that premise or if, and if I am, um, why. And the question is this. Um, um, I know, Alex, you had mentioned about the fact that a lot of people um, misunderstand or twist um, Galatians 3, 8, 28 to basically allow for things of, you know, things that are sexually immoral type things as far as relations are concerned. Um, and I know that Peter also made a point in the scriptures saying that many people twist um, the hard teachings of Paul in so many ways. And as a result, so the question I have is, one of the things is based on this concept of everything has been completed in in yeshua and i use the word yeshua for jesus mm -hmm. and as a result there's this concept in this thinking that there's no more requirement to walk in his ways as far as his torah his teachings and instructions and but when i've read in scripture it talks about the fact in ezekiel 36 that he's given us a heart take away the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh and cause his spirit to um, be in us to cause us to walk in his ways and to keep his commands. And we know Yeshua himself said, if you love me, keep my commands. So the question I have in, is, I understand it as Yeshua fulfilled by explaining correctly what the Torah meant. He walked in the Torah. His apostles continued to do and observe things. And then he's outpoured his spirit on the day of Pentecost, which Christendom calls today, which is Shabbat in Hebrew, which enables us to walk in his ways. Hey, and that's where the concept of grieving the spirit and, um, and quenching the spirit comes from when people disobey it. Hey, Samuel, let me jump in real quick, and then I want to turn it over to Alex. But one of the things you said uh, there is that Jesus, Jesus gave commands, and he did. But his commandments were different than those in the Old Testament because Christ is the one, even as Paul spoke of here, that fulfilled that law, that fulfilled that commandment. And that's why those it's not that those no longer apply to us, but we come at them in a different way. You know, Jesus basically gave us two commandments, if you will. You know, the first was to love the Lord your God, and then the second was to love your neighbor as yourself. And sometimes we try to add to all of that throughout the Scripture. Now, there are plenty of other learning things in the Scripture that we need to do to be closer to Christ 
And one of those is knowing the Word of God intimately. And we get that intimate knowledge because of the grace of, of Jesus and, and the, the comforter that he sent to us being the Holy Spirit. Alex? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think what we have to be clear about, and, and thanks for listening, thanks for calling in, is um, salvation and sanctification. Mm. Okay, salvation, when we are born again, and, and remember, you know, everything from, from John chapter 3 to Acts 16.31 to Galatians, we are born again by putting our faith in Jesus. Saved, made alive, First uh, John 5.1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Son of God is a child of God, okay? Born again. But then sanctification means that we grow in the Lord, and scholars use a word uh, called progressive sanctification. In other words, progressively we're growing. Now, positionally, you're already in Christ. Um, if you've been uh, saved five minutes or, or five decades, positionally you're in Christ. But then uh, we keep the, the Word of God, and we grow, and we hear preaching, and we do our daily devotions, and we try to let the Spirit of the Lord lead us. Because, Jim, we um, we continually are getting victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. And, you know, I think about Romans 6, 11 says that we, uh, Paul says, consider yourself dead to sin, but alive to God. Now, I think that being more and more dead to sin and more and more um, in tune and in step with the Spirit of God, it's a lifelong, uh, it's a work in progress, isn't it? Now, positionally, we're as saved as we're ever going to be, but in terms of Christ-likeness, that's a daily pursuit, isn't it? It sure is, and we have to be very careful that we pursue that through Christ and not in our own strength. Samuel, hope that helped. Thanks for your call this afternoon. We're going to talk to Patricia from Louisiana. Patricia, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello. Uh, I listen to you all every evening on my way back from work. Well, thank you. I just... I just had a, uh, uh, someone said that uh, they were saved, they believed in Jesus, but they're having an affair. So I'm what I want to be able to explain to them that the scripture says uh, adulterers and fornicators will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I just want to be sure that means that they can't go to heaven if they're still having an affair. Hmm. Wow. You know, that's that's a great question, and I, I have to tell you that we rely on God to judge our hearts and, and not ours, us ourselves. Now, that does not mean they are removed from salvation, because we see in the Scriptures uh, there where Paul reminds us that there are some were fornicators, some were adulterers, uh, and some had, you know, heterosexual sin as, as well as um, homosexual sin and, and things like that. And then he goes on to say, for as such were some of you now. And do the, I think, and if they both proclaim to know Christ, and Alex, correct me here in a moment if I'm wrong, um, if they pro both proclaim to be in of Christ, that they know Jesus is Savior, you know, that doesn't make us perfect. We are still tempted by sin all around, and sometimes our flesh is weak. So I don't want to remove salvation from them, but I certainly understand your question. Um, so, Alex, at what point does grace? At what point does grace fail? Well, well, I, I don't think God's grace ever fails, but I think we fail sometimes if we abuse God's grace mm -hmm. and, and we just say, "Oh, well, you know, I'm I'm under grace. God's going to forgive me." Um, if if we can be that cavalier and that unfeeling about the holiness and the mercy of God, I don't know that we really uh, know the Lord like the Bible says a saved person does mm -hmm. know the Lord. Because uh, the caller mentioned uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 20, and I would encourage everybody to read that, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 20, and there's this grocery list of people, and it does say, and this is a quote from Exodus 20:14, do not commit adultery. Mm -hmm. Now, let me just say this, folks. 
Um, and even a born-again believer, you've got to understand, if you're a Christian, you've got a target on your back. And Satan wants you to fall. Because, listen, when a, a Christian or a professed Christian, you know, crashes and burns, I mean, that's such a negative witness to the watching world. And Proverbs 6.32 says, He who commits adultery lacks sense. He destroys himself. And Jim, I've I've had men that I've counseled that have um, wept in my office, and they they've said, "Oh, Alex, I'd give anything in this world if I could go back and not do the things I did." Look, don't destroy yourself, your your witness, the trust, because mm-hmm. certainly one of the greatest attributes of any relationship is trust. Yeah. So, folks, it just ain't worth it. You know, Alex, as you say that, um, you mentioned that Christians have a target on their back. And that's where sometimes the church can be split because of a pastor's sin. The church can, or of of an elder's sin, or, you know, people are going to be on different sides of that. But folks, I want you to know, just like the lady who was brought to Christ, you know, who was caught in adultery, where was the guy? You know? Yeah, for real. And so we want to be as gracious as Christ was in that. But now, Patricia, I want you to understand, we are not condoning any sin. And I say that, I want to be as clear as I can, because we know that God hates sin. However, he loved us enough to provide us a way out. So what my personal opinion is that you love your friend in spite of what she's doing, and you try to maintain your reputation and your your godliness by serving her and trying to bring her back from where she is uh, so that she sees your servant attitude and she sees that you love her in spite of her sin. Uh, don't cast her away. Or if it's the male person you know, don't cast him away. But it is one of those things that we have to be careful of lest we too fall into that temptation. So be very careful around that, but love them just like Christ did. Uh, don't don't give up on them. Try and bring them back, and do it with a spirit of love and and literally not a spirit of judgment. And I know sometimes that's hard to do, but it's like Alex said, the reason we have a target on our back is because if Satan can bring us down, then it influences those people who may be on the on the bubble of coming to Christ, and then they see us fall, and they're like, well. Maybe this thing isn't for real after all. And we never want to bring our blame upon Christ. Um, we want to we want to be very careful about that. So, Alex, we're coming up on the end of the program. And before, I don't think we'd have time to, to work another answer in. But I wanted to ask you, <clears throat> with, with you and, and your travels, um, we talked about it at the beginning of the show. And you know, I I did I did I have done better English uh, mm-hmm. revivals uh, throughout uh, parts of Mississippi in years past, and I think uh, I think of Patricia's question there. I had a uh, church invite me one time to come and preach, but they said, "Now you you have to be careful what you preach about, because we practice carnal Christianity." And I told them I couldn't come because. I, I don't think I think that is a uh, unequal yoke there. Uh, wow. We really can't be carnal Christians, can we? No, we're supposed to honor the Lord and we're supposed to be yielded to him and uh, hey Luke 6:46 Jesus said, why do you call me Lord Lord and don't do the things I say? I think we're supposed to yield ourselves to Jesus. Amen. Hey folks, have a good afternoon. Tell somebody about Christ. And tell them in a way that draws them in. Have a great afternoon. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Word on AFR. AFR.